Vegas White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. And so here it is, September 25th, 2021. This is the White Sox Weekly episode you've been waiting for for quite some time. It's the first one where we get to start the show by saying your 2021 White Sox are AL Central champions. They split a doubleheader against Cleveland to open the series back on Thursday and by doing so, won their first division title since 2008. The celebration rolls on. The White Sox have won two of three so far in Cleveland. Last night's win was a fun one. one nothing. the final. Luis Robert with a homer, his 10th of the season. Enough to make it hold up. The bullpen was great. Dylan Cease was good. We'll get into Cease in just a little bit. But this show, really, this, this afternoon here on White Sox Weekly is for you. I want to know, this is and from the top, right? I'll let you know who we're going to have on the show. We've got guests. We've got plans. We've got highlights. We've got reaction from after the clinching win, 7-2 against the Indians on the first game of that doubleheader back on Thursday. We've got it all for you. But we need you to provide a little bit of uh, some answers here to start the show. 312-332-3776. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. I want to know right off the top, how you celebrated the 2021 AL Central champions. I want to know what it was that you did as a White Sox fan, maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe it was something you've been planning on for a little while. Maybe it was uh, spontaneous. Maybe, you know, I was going to say maybe you'd put the kids to bed already, but with the afternoon game, uh, maybe you didn't have a chance to. Maybe you were running around. Maybe you were, uh, maybe, maybe you couldn't stop to celebrate until later that night because of the doubleheader. I want to know what you did to celebrate. Because I think this about division titles. I think this about playoff tickets punched when it comes to the White Sox, when it comes to baseball. You cannot take one for granted. You just can't. I mean, you look around this league right now. Look at the Padres. Look at the Dodgers, for that instance. Look at the Giants, for that matter. Look at the NL West. The Dodgers thought they had it done. And the Padres were like, you know what? We'll keep up, but we got ourselves a wild card ticket all set and ready to go. And then the little old Giants are like, you know what? Buster Posey's fine. Brandon Crawford's found the fountain of youth, and we're going to go ahead and take it from you. You cannot, regardless of the offseason plans you lay down, the free agents you've signed, the talent you've developed, the health that you're counting on, you can't take anything for granted in Major League Baseball. The White Sox had injuries all season long, whether it be Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson for a while. Jose Abreu was down for like half a minute, which for him is a really long time. You cannot take it for granted. So for your 2021 White Sox, for you White Sox fans, you now have something in the bank right there in the back pocket you get to walk around with for the next two weeks or so, right up until the ALDS begins. Now, We don't know who the White Sox will play. It looks like it'll probably be Houston. And we don't know where the White Sox are going to start. But it looks like it'll probably be in Houston. Up until that point, 
You got nothing to do but celebrate and hope the White Sox stay as healthy as they possibly can all the way until October 7th. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. I want to know how you celebrated the 2021 White Sox clinching the AL Central back on Thursday afternoon. We're going to talk to Jesse Rogers of ESPN. He covers the league all around nationally. A national baseball reporter, Jesse Rogers, also a friend of the show. He hosted White Sox Weekly last week while I was, uh, where was I? Oh, flying back from Dallas. I had the Rangers game. Len was on TV, so I called the Rangers game on Friday night. Jesse was kind enough to fill in on White Sox Weekly. Did a fantastic job. So you're familiar with Jesse, of course, from his work covering baseball and then filling in on White Sox Weekly last Saturday. We'll talk with Jesse at 4 o'clock, get his bead, just kind of around the league, kind of do a playoff look-in with Jesse at 4. And then coming up at 5, very much looking forward to this, General Manager Rick Hahn is going to join White Sox Weekly at 5 o'clock. So make sure you set your alarms. Maybe you're driving around in between your college football plans or whatever it is that you're up to this afternoon heading into the White Sox and Cleveland game tonight. Rick Hahn, White Sox General Manager, will join us at 5 o'clock right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. A reminder, you can join us still at Guaranteed Rate Field Wednesday, September 29th. The White Sox will take on the Cincinnati Reds at 7, 10 p.m., and the first 10,000 fans will receive a Pride Night T-shirt presented by BMO. I've seen the T-shirts. They look awesome. Pride Night's great. Uh, visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today. Let's head out to the phone lines and get things started the right way. I want to know how you celebrated the White Sox clinching the 2021 AL Central Division title. In Little Italy, it's Ahmad. Ahmad, you're first up on White Sox Weekly this afternoon. What's up, my man? Hey, how are you, sir? Doing well. Um, I want to tell you, I was really boring, but I literally was the happiest day of my life. I took my two-year-old son out around Little Italy. We put, our, we put on our White Sox gear. We ran around all over during his bedtime. It was like 8, 9 o'clock at night, and we were just out running around, soaking it in. There's a big, big, huge White Sox fan base over there in Little Italy. So oh, yeah, the whole neighborhood was celebrating, man. It was just a really good time, and I just wanted it to be a part of my son's life. So Never kid, knowing this stuff can happen again. So the kid got an extended bedtime, huh? That, that kid was up a little late. He sure did, man. He didn't mind it. He actually loves <laughs> the White Sox. He's like, go Sox, go Sox, go really? Sox. That's all he says. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Big time. Ahmad, that's <laughs> the best, man. That's absolutely... Is he, is he old enough to have a favorite player yet? Two's probably a little early for that, huh? Uh, no, he doesn't. He, he doesn't have favorite player. He uh, just literally, football will be on, and he'll say, go Sox. Soccer will be on, basketball. He just said, go Sox, go Sox, go Sox. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, he's going to love the playoffs, yeah. i tell you what. Ahmad, thanks for calling in, man. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank Glad you. Glad you got to celebrate with the boy. That is fantastic stuff. I, I remember when I was a little kid, uh, my dad was a huge uh, Bulls fan growing up. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm 36 years old, so that puts me, you know, right in the wheelhouse of starting to understand, you know, the sports and really kind of understand the magnitude of Michael Jordan back in the day. I remember being, you know, kept up late for, uh, you know, Paxson hitting a three-pointer against the Suns and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I at two, you're probably not going to remember it. I, I hope Ahmad's kid does. That'd be really awesome. But that's that's kind of that, you know, that's that pass down kind of thing, isn't it? You know, as White Sox fans, we get that from our families. That gets passed down from generation to generation. Better there are a handful that just kind of become White Sox fans because, and that's that's probably true for every fan base. But for the most part, fandom is a it's a generational thing. It's a family thing. That's really cool that Ahmad got to walk around Little Italy with the boy on Thursday afternoon, keep him up late in the bedtime. Uh, back out to the phone lines. I want to know how you celebrated 
The 2021 White Sox clinching the AL Central on Thursday afternoon with a 7-2 win over Cleveland. One of the things that I thought, we'll get to Matt in just a second, one of the things I thought was really cool uh, about that Thursday win, the first game of the afternoon, was that uh, Kimbrell and Hendricks and Bummer, I think, all pitched out of the bullpen coming into that game. Even though it was a big lead and not a save situation for the White Sox, you kind of sensed that Tony LaRusso was feeling, you know what? The hell with this. I'm just going to throw him out there. I'm going to get the big arms out here. I want the division. I want this over. I want us to be able to celebrate. I want to be able to take some of the regulars out and have them in the dugout feeling pretty chill, pretty loose, heading into our evening celebration. And I guess as you, you've seen the photos, at ESPN White Sox is the Twitter handle for us, and the White Sox themselves have tweeted it out. Uh, there were There was a celebration after that second game of the doubleheader. Everybody had... You know, there's plastic wrap lined up on a, on the visitor's clubhouse in the visitor's clubhouse in Cleveland. So that the champagne and whatever else anybody was getting into didn't splatter over everything. The White Sox had themselves one heck of a time and then came out and won last night, one to nothing over Cleveland as well. I'm going to get you the lineup for tonight's game uh, for the White Sox and Cleveland game tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about Dylan Cease, but I want to keep taking some phone calls. 312-332-3776. Simple question to start White Sox weekly today. How did you celebrate the White Sox clinching the AL Central back on Thursday afternoon in Munster, Indiana? It's Matt. What's up, Matt? Hey, how are you? Hanging in there, man. I uh, jumped in my car at 6 a.m. on Thursday and heading to Cleveland, and my son from Indiana University hopped on a flight from Indy, and after the game, we went to the Marble Room in Cleveland with our White Sox gear on and feasted. Nice. How is the Marble Room? I've never been. Heard good things. Uh, highly recommend it. Yeah. Especially, yes. Matt, I'm going to bet it's probably one of the better meals you've had after the White Sox have clinched a division in Cleveland. It was, uh, yes, it was great. We were getting some looks with our with our garb on because it's kind of a fancy place, but we didn't care. We were uh, we were like kings for a day. It was. It was. Uh, you're right. You know these don't th- these don't happen every day, and you got to market. What was the celebration meal? What'd you guys order? Uh, we both had the filet, oh, you know, split yeah. split the whipped potatoes. Pretty basic. There you go. Hey, hey, hey. Meet nothing wrong with meat and potatoes. You celebrate how you want to celebrate, Matt. Drink your drink, man. That's right. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Glad you guys were go able back. to celebrate. You and the boy in Cleveland uh, at the Marble Room. I think I'm going to have to check this during the break. Sean, do you know Sean Davis, our producer on this side? Isn't the Marble Room where... The, in 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 major league, where the the Jake and and Charlie Sheen they go for dinner afterward, and Charlie Sheen's not wearing sleeves. I think that's the restaurant, right? I think that's where they they shot the scene. And then the Berenger finds out that his girlfriend's there. She's the librarian. She's downstairs. They can't order something. Maybe the whole thing's in French. Jake has to turn the the the, the menu around for Sheen. I think that's how it worked. But Marvin, never been. Love to go. It's especially good after the White Sox clinch a division. A couple of things, a couple of news items I wanted to point out. Tony La Russa is uh, just getting ready to talk to White Sox beat reporters before the game against Cleveland tonight. I'm going to get you the lineup when we come back uh, for, the, for tonight's game. Game four or five against Cleveland. Man, this is a long series. Got another one tomorrow, 12-10. Then the makeup game in Detroit on Monday, that was originally supposed to be an off day for the White Sox, but because of the rainout, it is now a, a game against the Tigers in Detroit. Twelve ten start on Monday, then two against the Reds, 
That starts the final homestand of the year. The Reds on the Tuesday and Wednesday, off day on Thursday, then the last three games of the regular season against the Detroit Tigers. So that means there are eight games left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, eight games left, including tonight. The White Sox maximum win total on the season is 95. With a Twitter poll question in last night's game, uh, I asked White Sox fans, and then uh, Len and DJ talked about it a little bit too, yeah, how many wins do you think the White Sox end up with this season? 95 was the max, and I, I think I put totals out there from anywhere from 88 to 95. It kind of grouped them a little bit. And most people responded with 92 to 94 wins, you know, something like that. Winning six out of nine, uh, you know, whatever, something like that. And, and it was interesting because Len pointed out during the broadcast, you know, it really doesn't matter, but... And then kind of, you know, they went on to talk a little bit about what needs to happen for the White Sox, who needs to stay healthy, who would who would look good, getting good, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's interesting to think about that in these last in this last week of baseball, essentially, October third is where it ends, right? Next Sunday is when the regular season ends. There are there's so much known about your Chicago White Sox right now. They are AL Central champions. They will play in the ALDS. There is a postseason ticket. You will go to a playoff game at guaranteed rate field, or at least you can. You know those things. And yet, there are some unresolved questions about the White Sox. How's Carlos Rodon going to bounce back? Ryan Tapera going to clear the IL soon? How's Andrew Vaughn going to be able to get back into the swing of things? How's Dylan Cease after getting hit with a comebacker last night? Those questions... I think you can feel good about a lot of those questions because the answers you've seen before in this season. You know what I mean? It's not as though you're asking for completely unknown things to resolve themselves. You've seen Carlos Rodon pitch like an AL Cy Young candidate this year. You've seen Dylan Cease and Hurt, and we'll play Dylan Cease's uh, postgame when we come back after a quick break. But you've, you've heard that Dylan Cease, after getting hit with the comebacker last night, is probably going to be okay. That they dodged a bullet and he's got a nasty bruise, but nothing's broken. X-rays were negative. There are answers within the questions the White Sox still have to get done here in the last week or so of the regular season. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Jesse Rogers at 4. General Manager Rick Hahn at 5. The question to you all afternoon long, how'd you celebrate? The White Sox clinching the AL Central back on Thursday. I'd love to know. Had some good stories from Ahmad and from Matt already. So if you've got one, feel free to give us a call and let us know how you celebrated a division title. When we come back, you'll hear from Dylan Cease after last night's game. Chimed in on his health after getting hit with a comebacker. And also, you know, I thought I thought Dylan said something real interesting about the, the mindset the state of mind of the 2021 White Sox. You'll hear that when we come back. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back Good to White Good battle here. Cease and Zimmer and the pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Just blew him away. Fastball 99 after the lead double. Three consecutive strikeouts. That's Len Casper with the call. A lot of strikeouts for Dylan Cease last night. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. That's what I was going to say. You can join us on Friday, October 1st, as the White Sox take on the Tigers at 7.10 p.m. Be one of the first 10,000 fans, 21 and over, and receive a White Sox beer stein presented by Budweiser. White Sox fans, this Bud's for you. 
to purchase your tickets at whitesox.com. No, rather, purchase your tickets. Go do it. Purchase your tickets at whitesox.com today. I was just thinking to myself, I could use a good Stein. My Stein game is a little low, so getting this White Sox beer Stein uh, on the on October 1st would be a really big boon for the Stein game at the McKnight household. Dylan Cease last night was hit with a comebacker off the bat of Bradley Zimmer. Cease was carving through five innings. He got through five and a third, four hits, nine strikeouts, no walks for Dylan Cease. Those nine strikeouts also vaulted him into a top 10 single season strikeout total for White Sox franchise history. He had been at 212. The 10th highest single season strikeout total was Javier Vazquez. He had 213. So Cease, with nine, got all the way up to the eighth spot on the list. And if he makes another start, which I, it sounds like he will, um, he's got a chance at tracking down the seventh spot, which I believe is Lucas Giolito, with 226. Dylan Cease has, I mean, there have been a lot of breakouts on the White Sox in 2021. You think of what Andrew Vaughn has been able to do. You think about what Luis Robert, my God, my, what Luis Robert has been able to do since coming back from injury is absolutely breathtaking. Yoan Mankata has had a good, if, you know, kind of strange season. Yasmani Grandal since coming back. There have been a lot of guys that have kind of announced themselves and taken a spot. Michael Kopech is one of them, too, even though the circumstances of his play this year have been, you know, kind of relegated to the bullpen and, and knowing that they're going to break him in slowly, likely rotation spot next year. Dylan Cease, though, has really, in a first full season of run, really pitched well. He's one of the top ten all-time single-season strikeout guys in White Sox franchise history. That's wild. A lot of good pitchers on that list. Seacott, Sale, Giolito, Walsh. I mean, there's dudes on that list. Now, all that to say this. It sounds like Cease uh, got away with fun last night. It was a bruise off the right triceps. That's his throwing arm, of course. But it's a bruise and nothing's broken, so that's a good thing. He's likely undergoing some less than fun treatment to try and fix that bruise and kind of heal some of the soreness. When they pulled him from last night's game, he kind of said, yeah, listen, I, that needed to happen. I wasn't, I, arm was kind of dead at that point, or you know, from, the, from the swelling, from being hit with a, a baseball. Um, continuing to pitch would not have done anything for him. And it's all about staying as healthy as possible come game one of the ALDS, which, by the way, the White Sox will play in their 2021 AL Central champs. C spent some time talking about what he had working last night, you know, on the mound. And also, I thought, gave a really interesting look into the mindset of the White Sox as they wrap the last week or so of the 2021 regular season. So from last night's postgame press conference, here is Dylan Cease. One of those nights where I, I, I had four pitches working for me. Um, I was filling up the zone. Um, you know, it's just you can't really ask for much more. Um, I, I felt like I was cruising. So, yeah, it, it was definitely disappointing to have to exit that way. Um, but, you know, in terms of executing pitches, I mean, that was one of my better games for sure. Yeah, just um... – you know, after the last start in Texas, you were talking about being more efficient uh, and talking to Ethan. He said kind of emphasize not trying to be too perfect or trying harder than he need to uh, when you get to two strikes. Uh, just how do you feel you did as far as that today? Yeah, I think, well, I, I had a plan in terms of how I wanted to execute. And, um, you know, I, I focused on my practice the whole week. Um, 
then I was able to, I was able to go out there and, and, you know, do what I was trying to do. Um, in terms of execution, I mean, I, I executed really well today. Um, so yeah, I was able to stay focused, stay locked in and, and get the job done. Dylan, talk about focus. How were you able to maintain focus after all the celebration you guys had last night? You know, we had a good we had a good time last night, but at the end of the day, that's really just the beginning of, of the work we have ahead of us. So I think just keeping that in perspective and, and realizing, you know, we didn't we didn't come here to win a um, you know, the AL championship. We came here to win a World Series. So I think we're all we're all pretty locked in for what's uh, what needs to be done next. I dig it. That's White Sox starter Dylan Cease, who will uh, likely make another start here before the end of the season. I say likely only because uh, Tony La Russa is going to talk with reporters here in the next couple of minutes. And if anything develops on that front, we'll, of course, let you know here on White Sox Weekly. Um, I, I assume that because you'd like to get one more for Cease as you get into the playoff schedule. I, I think I think a couple of things here as it regards Dylan Cease's postgame comments last night. Obviously, he really did have everything working. And that Cleveland lineup is the reason that the White Sox were able to get out to such a large lead throughout the year. They just they don't hit. Um, it is It has been a tough time for Cleveland to get bats into that lineup other than Jose Reyes, uh, Jose Ramirez and Franmil Reyes, especially since the trade of Francisco Lindor. They just haven't been able to develop bats, really. That said, you can only pitch against the guys you've got scheduled against you, and Cease carved through five and a third. He's got swing and miss stuff. I mean, big-time swing and miss stuff. When he gets into trouble, it's usually, not to say he hasn't been hit, but it's usually because he's lost his fastball command and begin to walk guys. You start to walk guys, that off-speed stuff, you know, the big slider, the really nasty curve, tougher to throw for strikes, more regular basis when they're guys on. And when you do throw those for strikes and make mistakes, they can typically get hit for extra base power. That's just kind of how that works. But Dylan Cease may just make a playoff start for the White Sox. I, I think... Things are trending in that direction. We'll talk with Rick Hahn at 5 o'clock and see if he'll give anything away as to who's going to start a playoff game. He won't, but we'll ask him other things. Well, you've got Lance Lynn and you've got Lucas Giolito. I think it's anybody's guess as to how Carlos Rodon will bounce back from his last start, how that arm and shoulder is going to feel, what he's going to be able to give the White Sox in this next one and you know whatever playoff start that's going to look like. But the fact that the White Sox have Dylan Cease pitching the way he is, and the fact that you've got Michael Kopech you can turn to as well for either a start or, you know, kind of piggyback work, that second guy, or rather first guy out of the pen and second guy to pitch, whether that's behind a Dylan Cease start or behind a Carlos Rodon start, or shoot, behind anybody, given what that game ends up looking like, that's a dangerous thing. And I think when you pair the last two outings from... Cease, and from Kopech, who started that second game of the doubleheader against Cleveland back on Thursday. That was the game they lost after clinching the AL Central with a 7-2 to win. Kopech was working all four of his pitches, curveball, slider, fastball. I think there was a change or two, but, you know, mostly that curveball, slider, and fastball. He looked as good as he's looked. And in his starts, you've seen him kind of feature that entire arsenal a little bit, and he looks, I'll be honest, 
more dangerous when he does. Not to say he can't be a two-pitch guy, whichever two he feels most comfortable with coming out of the bullpen, uh, coming uh, into a you know more usual one-inning kind of bullpen situation, but he is a dangerous man. Whether it's been, you know, we've talked to guys like Jeff Passan, Jesse Rogers, who's coming up in a little bit here, national guys who go, well, that Kopech situation makes it really difficult for teams to match up properly if the White Sox have him working in multiple innings. And it sounds like that's going to be the plan for Kopech over the last week or so is getting a little more extended work so we can offer that to the White Sox come playoff time. Jesse Rogers is coming up. He's our next guest here on White Sox Weekly. We'll play Len Asks with him and with you. That's coming up. All right, so you've got the plan. Jesse Rogers at 4, Rick Hahn at 5. This is White Sox Weekly. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. First and second, one away. Anderson to deep right. Zimmer goes back. That baby's gone. He's done it again. It's 6 to nothing. I don't know what we're witnessing, but our guys have shown up to play today. The boys are back. Len Casper and Darren Jackson on the call right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. You've got White Sox Weekly. We're taking you all the way up until our 5.30 pregame show for the White Sox and Cleveland. Our guest here on White Sox Weekly and uh, guest host last week is Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Jesse joins us now. Jesse, how are you, man? Thanks so much for calling in. I'm good, Connor. Good to be with you. I, I said on the show last week they were going to clinch the division. Boy, I was the only one saying that, I think. I mean, they, <laughs> that it, the inevitability of this was just, it felt like it went on forever. And, and even the players expressed that in Cleveland. There was as much relief as there was celebration. Um, I think uh, saying they were going to win back in, in April probably wasn't going on on a limb, and certainly not in May when they went 19-10. and 10. Yeah, sturdy limb to be on. Uh, and, and certainly in this division, it was you know easier than it could have been for the White Sox, I suppose. But I still look at, you know, there are teams there are teams that fold with Aloy Jimenez going down. There are teams that fold with Luis Robert going down. There are teams that fold when Yasmani Grandal hits the IL. And with all three of them there at the same time, you could have seen this team give it away. They didn't. And I think that speaks to a lot of different things within the organization. What speaks loudest to you about the White Sox resilience there? Yeah, no, that that is up there, and and let me address that because that that I think is a theme in baseball this year because there were so many injuries, which contenders or at least teams that you thought were going to be good, which ones could navigate their injuries better than the others, and I think that's an organizational success to do that. The White Sox are one. I think the Red Sox were seeing them sort of come back and 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 with with some life to them after their COVID scare. I think Alex Cora has done a good job there. I think Mike Schilt and the Cardinals, uh, another team that's done that. They had a ton of injuries on the mound more than out in the field, and they weathered them and now are on this great win streak. Teams that didn't do it, first one that comes to mind is the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. Similar injuries on the mound to the Cardinals, other areas, and they couldn't weather the storm. So I think that's kind of one of the storylines of some of these teams that are in or out, and certainly it is one for the White Sox. I mean, they lost a guy in March, April, May, June. I mean, like every single month there was a there was a big loss and then there were minor smaller losses. Uh, don't forget Tim Anderson's stints with you know out of the lineup with with his leg injuries and and the latest one with with uh, Carlos Rodon having some problems and Andrew Vaughn. I mean, we could go through the list, 
Um, just about everybody on that roster has been banged up in a in more than just a you know missing one game type of way, Connor. So tons of credit to the whole organization, certainly Tony in the dugout for what they did. Talking with Jesse Rogers of ESPN here on the White Sox Weekly Show, bringing you up to the pregame show at 5.30. White Sox and Cleveland coming up. I'll have the lineups for you in just a little bit. Uh, Jesse, just a bit of breaking news. It's light breaking news. You're not missing anything. You don't have to hang up and start tweeting. But Tony La Russa <laughs> did say that Dylan Cease does have a bruise, obviously, and he's getting treatment. Sox are going to wait until tomorrow to see how Cease progresses and slot him in for a next start if if he can make one, which it sounds like he can. So I guess the question to you then, Jesse, knowing that is, you know, of the somewhat unresolved issues the White Sox can get answers on in this last week, week and a half of the season, you've got Carlos Rodon, you've got Dylan Cease now, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Vaughn, and Adam Engel, all to different degrees, but still all of them kind of waiting, I, I think, waiting to prove to the organization that, hey, I'm good. I'm ready. You can put me in my usual spot for game one of the ALDS. Which guy is the um, is the most important thing to resolve for you, and which guys are closest to giving the White Sox the answers? Well, I mean, the easy answer is Rodon, but, boy, it, it feels like in talking to uh, – maybe this is just hearing more than from fans than, than people within the organization. There's, a, there's not just the concern that he may not pitch, but that if he does – He's not the Rodon from the first half. Um, so I, I, we almost have to go into it thinking that way, that we're just not going to see necessarily that dominant performance. But if they can get three to five out of them, that might be you know, the best-case scenario. So outside of him, what I saw at Andrew Vaughn in his first at-bat or first game back with that unbelievable at-bat, I mean, this guy could be a difference maker in the playoffs. I kind of feel like um, Kopech is, is an X-factor in the in the, in the on the pitching staff for obvious reasons. And I feel like Vaughn might be that guy in the playoffs. Like we kind of know what the rest of the guys can do. And, and with Vaughn, we certainly have an idea, but we don't know as a rookie what he'll do in October. And so I feel like him getting back to being Andrew Vaughn could be a huge boost. That lineup will look really long to the Houston Astros pitching staff. If, if he's back healthy. Jesse, I'm glad you brought up the Astros uh, because every Saturday, and you know this now that you've hosted White Sox Weekly, you know we play Len Asks. So I figured you and I could uh, kick things off and play the game together. Len has a question for everybody here on White Sox Weekly, and we hear it for the first time right now alongside uh, with Jesse Rogers, rather. Here it is, Len Asks. Simple question today, and while it's likely the White Sox will play the Astros in the first round, still possible they could get the Tampa Bay Rays. Which team would you rather see the White Sox play in the best of five, Houston or Tampa Bay? All right, Jesse, you're up. Boy, that is a good one. I, I, I'm Houston makes me nervous, and this, this is the, and this is also, um, you know, not a knock on Tampa Bay because they're amazing. But that's that's almost kind of what scares you about Tampa Bay. You don't know exactly what to focus on. I think just Houston is so strong everywhere. I asked a scout for a weakness. He couldn't he couldn't give me one off the top of his head. I, I started looking at the stats, home and road, night and day, lefty righty, plus five hundred. My it's all very good. I, I would rather play Tampa Bay. I think he, even though uh, you could say that you have an edge here or there, the race, you know what I mean? The mm-hmm. race might be better than you in all areas. I feel like they have the edge uh, in, in starting pitching, right? I mean, Tampa Bay does it a different way. And I, and I think the, the White Sox way is still the best way to do it. Find a 
six to seven inning pitcher or two in a rotation, and that really shortens the game to to the team, you know, to this team in particular with Kimbrell and um, and Hendricks. I don't I don't see Tampa Bay having that, but again, they have the record they have, so. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm saying the wrong thing, thing here, Connor. But I'd rather play Tampa Bay. Well, I, I think the, I think the real answer is the AL bracket is a really tough one. Uh, whether it's the Astros, the Rays, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Red Sox. I mean, it's, a, it's a tough side of the bracket. I guess you know, just for the sake of doing good radio, I'll play devil's advocate and say the Rays because they can throw anyone they want at any pocket of the lineup they need to. They're not beholden to, you know, forcing a guy into, you know, square peg round hole. They always get it. They always seem to get it right because of the options they have out of that bullpen. They're not mired to anything because of tradition. And that makes them scary to me. That said, you know, I I think if the White Sox are going to win it, I I think it's going to look the way you've kind of painted it out. I think it's going to be Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito and probably Dylan Cease taking the ball deep into games the offense kind of exploding in any particular inning, maybe maybe one of them in the middle, one of them maybe one late, and then kind of riding with a bullpen that saw Craig Kimbrell, I think, pitch the best I've seen Craig Kimbrell pitch with a White Sox uniform on last night. That was that was really something else. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. It was, and I, I really think he needs as high a leverage as possible. And even when he came over here, the White Sox had a big lead. It, it only grew wasn't pitching in, in, in the biggest of games. And he, when he was, it was the eighth inning. You know, he really had to muster the adrenaline. Uh, that won't be a concern in October. Yeah, I mean, like that, I was kind of struggling with my answer to, to, to say I'd rather play Tampa because I know anything I say, any reason I give, the other, you, you can poke a hole in it. Of because course. the Rays are that good and do things sort of that different, which it opens, them, it opens, them for, opens them up for questions. But in reality, they keep answering those questions. So I, I, I'm, I'm scared to say I'd rather play Tampa Bay is what I'm saying. But I, that's my answer. No, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I think that's – I don't think that's anything to do with, with you or me or the way we watch baseball. I think you said it perfectly. That's everything to do with just how good Tampa has proven to be. That's everything to do with how good the Astros are and everything to do with how good the White Sox have been. I, I yeah. think that's the – those are the factors we're dealing with here. Um, one of the guys I asked about, and I, I just want to circle back here – Ryan Tapera has been very good for the White Sox out of the bullpen. 16 innings thrown, and after that first outing, which Tony La Russa said wasn't really fair to him, it was like the day after he got acquired, and he threw him in with two runners on, and he gave up everything. 22 strikeouts, only five walks. It has looked real good for Ryan Tapera in his last couple outings. Where do you get the sense he's at? What are the possibilities of his return? How good can he be uh, out of the pen for the Sox? Well, if he's if the, if it's like it never happened, the injury. If the finger's totally fine, then he can be the old Ryan Tapera. The next question is, does he have enough time to sort of be the old Ryan Tapera? Uh, he's probably going to get two games in. Uh, it might be as late as Friday and Sunday next week, right? The, you know, wait as long as you can. You may not want to throw him back to back as he comes back. Maybe you know, Friday, Sunday, uh, maybe Saturday, Sunday, just to just to finish it off if, if that's what you want to test him on. Uh, and then we'll see, but the finger has to be fully healed. I mean, that's his, you know, pointy finger. That 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 that, that does a lot of work on a baseball, right? So uh, that that's my answer. If he's fully healed, he can be the old Ryan Tapera. 
just got to get him a few few outings. You don't want Houston down in Houston in a hostile place to be his first outing since the injury. So I'm looking at Luis Roberts' numbers since coming back oh from the God. hip flexor injury. I know it's it's just preposterous. It's like there's there's one dude. There's this Juan Soto guy, you know, who's probably who could win himself an NL MVP, and I don't see why not. But other than that. Luis Robert in 36 games is hitting 379 with a 414 on base and slugging 634 with nine home runs. I know, obviously, that that prospect evaluators, the talent evaluators, scouts, and everything were were drooling about Luis Robert from the moment he was eligible to sign. But this has been otherworldly for him. I wonder, I wonder how you see him doing it. I wonder what strikes you you know, kind of loudest with Luis Robert over the last month and a half. Yeah, what, what strikes me is it, it, he looks like he's putting in as much effort as I do making a cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> I mean, it just looks so easy for him. In fact, it make, he, he, he makes it look easier than, than me working my coffee machine. So that's how smooth and good he looks and why everyone has drooled over him. He really is going to be part of that um, group of young players that, that are going to sort of move past the Mike Trouts of the world, right? As Trout ages a, a little bit, it's going to be Otani. It's going to be Vlad Jr. for sure. Mm. We don't know if Otani can do this two-way thing every single year, but Vlad Jr. and Luis Robert, I think, in that running for MVP, he'll have a couple MVP seasons as a player with the White Sox, and he may win one or may m- win multiple ones. That's the way you think of him. And so, yeah, my answer for this year is just how smooth and easy he makes it look. Yeah, we were talking about this, uh, you know, I, I want to say it was in between the doubleheader on Thursday, you know, after the Sox clinched. I feel like you and, and Jeff Passan at ESPN and all, all the national writers, you're going to fill out your, your preseason preview columns, right? <laughs> and you're going to have a couple of dudes for MVP, and everybody's going to be like, hey, but listen. You know who the dark horse AL MVP is? Luis Robert. But because all of you guys say it, it's going to be like, hey, Luis Robert for MVP actually is not insane at all whatsoever in 2022. No, no, it it absolutely isn't. He doesn't have a weakness to his game. He just doesn't. And we haven't even seen him at his best, I I don't think, in the outfield um, or on the base pass, just sort of saving himself after that injury. And maybe he needs a full offseason to – to strengthen that area, and then we'll see an even better Luis Robert, or maybe we'll see it in October. But, look, if he's just this guy in October, in a couple weeks, you'll take it, and he will he might carry you to the next round. So, assuming, and I guess the you know a lot of White Sox fans are focusing on what this rotation may look like for the ALDS, and whether it's against Houston or against Tampa, maybe you see some things change, you know, some matchups kind of taken advantage of by Tony La Russa and the staff. But the way you see it right now, Jesse, do you figure Lance Lynn gets game one and Giolito gets two, and then it's, you know, kind of who's healthiest, Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon, or, or Michael Kopech for game three, or do you think it'll be different? No, I think you're you're on the the right track. Certainly, I think Lance Lynn is going to start game one. I think he should start game one. I think, uh, look, both games are equally important, right, in a best of five. Yeah. Yeah. But there's something about establishing a tone in, in a first game in a hostile environment. In other words, if you lose the first one, that could snowball to the second one, especially if it's, you know, like I said, if you get blown out or something. Like, I don't think that's a problem for Lance Lynn at all. Like, he will keep the White Sox in that game. I think it's good. First of all, I think it's going to be a low-scoring series, and I think that game one will be a low-scoring game. Um, yeah, so, yes, I think it's it's Lynn. I'm, I'm sort of adamant about that. I think that's important. Giolito, too. I think it's going to be C3. 
I think you have to reward him for the season that he's had. And, he, and, and why not? He's the, your best option probably, unless miraculously Carlos Rodon looks like, you know, April, May, June, Carlos Rodon. I think Cease is going to get three. And then, like, if you sweep, now you've bought Rodon some more time. And if you have to play a game four, Rodon could start. Kopech could piggyback. There's a chance Keiko could piggyback. I don't think Keiko would start. So it's a question mark for game four for sure right now. Because uh, even if Rodon's in there, I, I don't think you're going to get a 110-pitch effort necessarily. Uh, but the way I'd start the, the series with those three, certainly the three healthy guys pitching, I think that's the way to go. Jesse, as we let you go and you look at the Astros and Rays toward the end of this, do you give the Astros a chance to catch the Rays for the top record in the AL? What are the odds you're giving them? You know, I, I, I give them a small chance, and, and normally I would have given them a bigger one, but I think like the White Sox are doing, the Astros, if you notice, none of their starters have even reached 30 starts this year. They're really, I think, going to take it easy here in, in some manner um, and not push too hard. Uh, it, it, the Rays have been good for so long. I, I just think they're going to maintain it. There's no there's no break in their game necessarily, right? So, no, I, I think uh, the Rays will hold off. Um, you know, if, if this was like the old days where just one team or two teams made whatever it is, you know, like the, yeah. without the extra round, yeah. uh, it'd be different. But I think with the extra round, uh, I think Houston's going to back off a little bit. And like I said, they have not pushed their starters all season. I don't see them doing it now. Jesse, appreciate you as always. Looking forward to you being uh, part of our coverage here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network all the way through the playoffs, my man. Thank you, my friend. Looking forward to it. You're, and you said it right. The American League playoffs are going to be stellar, starting with the White Sox and Astros. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. That's right. Jesse Rogers, ESPN. We'll catch you later, man. See ya. So the Astros right now, that's Jesse Rogers. Oh, and by the way, if you tuned in like halfway through the interview and you liked what you heard or if you're you know, wanting to go back and check out any other White Sox weeklies, download the ESPN Chicago app. All of our episodes are downloadable in podcast form. So if you're, I don't know, if you're driving around this afternoon, you're like, oh, I got a college football game to catch before I sit down for the White Sox and Indians or something like that. So I can't catch the Rick Hahn interview that's coming up at 5 o'clock, by the way, White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn coming up at 5 o'clock here on White Sox Weekly. You can download the ESPN Chicago app and then download all of our shows as podcasts so you won't miss interviews that we do with White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn, whose team just won the AL Central in 2021. If, in case you've missed it, Rick Hahn's joining the show at 5 o'clock. The Astros and A's are underway right now. They are through four and still scoreless just kind of taking a look at the rest of the American League in the interest of, you know, who will the White Sox play. After Monday, Monday's an off day for Houston. Then it's three against the Rays. So that is a big series in terms of, you know, who the White Sox are going to play. Should the Astros take all three from the Rays, obviously that would be a, a pretty seismic shift in the standings. And you might be looking at a series against Tampa, perhaps in Tampa, should that happen. Uh, that's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, that A's, Astro, uh, sorry, Rays Astros series. As for Tampa, they get the Marlins tonight, so not much of a challenge for old Tampa Bay. Uh, and then they have the off day Monday. They finish their series with a three game set against the Yankees. The Yankees, and we'll reset the entire AL wild card right, uh, when we come back for you. But the Yankees right now hold that second wild card spot. They would play Boston if the season ended today. It doesn't. But if it did, They'd play Boston in a one-game wild card knockdown dragout affair that I'm sure would be on television for the better part of seven hours. Because when the Yankees play the Red Sox, those games last 
all night long, Lionel Richie style. When we come back, get you the White Sox lineup for their game against the Indians tonight. A couple of pieces of news and notes from Tony LaRusso's pregame press conference. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Just got done talking with Jesse Rogers, covers Major League Baseball for ESPN. Talked a lot about the White Sox, what's going on with them, their postseason matchups, the A's, the Rays, the Astros, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. All kinds of stuff in the AL bracket. Boy, is it going to be an exciting playoffs and hopefully even more exciting because uh, of the White Sox run through the playoffs. At least that's what we're hoping for. The Sox are your 2021 AL Central Division champions. Got a couple of questions out to you this afternoon here on White Sox Weekly. We'll reset kind of where we're at at this point. I want to know how you celebrated. Tell me how you celebrated Thursday afternoon and well into Thursday night. And maybe a little bit Friday morning. Maybe you recouped a little bit, and then Saturday afternoon you're getting after it again. I want to know how you celebrated. It's the first division championship for the White Sox since 2008. I know you had a good time. I want to know what you did in order to mark the occasion, uh, the White Sox making the playoffs as division champions, making the playoffs for the first time back-to-back seasons in franchise history. Absolutely wild stuff. Also, in case you've missed it, and I bet you haven't, but the White Sox are saying it's a blackout. For home playoff games. They're going full on blackout. Just like 2008. Just like Danks on the Hill. The whole thing. Danks pitched well. Blackout games. Looking forward to it. Very much excited for it. Uh, there's a couple of great giveaways coming up. Over the last homestand. That might just bolster. Your White Sox blackout paraphernalia. You know the stuff that you can roll with here. In the playoff games. We're also going to talk with Rick Hahn. In about a half an hour. White Sox general manager is going to be our guest at 5 o'clock. couple of updates from Tony La Russa. And Sean Davis is our producer. And they said, I believe we've got, we've tried to turn over. The entire staff has been working diligently uh, through the modern use of modern technology, the marvel that it is. We've got for you now uh, some of the latest news from Tony La Russa as it regards Adam Engel, Brian Goodwin, Carlos Rodon, and Ryan Tapera. So we'll get to that in just a second. White Sox in Cleveland coming up tonight. 5.30 pregame show. That's just an hour away. Uh, but maybe the most important thing is this. You can upgrade your 2021 postseason experience to a diamond suite. Catch the most exciting games from the comfort of your own private area. You can host your closest friends and family. Shoot, you can host anybody you want in that diamond suite. They're massive. They're gorgeous. They're fantastic. But if you wanted to, your closest friends and family, you would also get customizable food and beverage options for more information Visit WhiteSox.com slash suites or call 312-674-1000. Now, on to the news. Tony Verusa, and I've not heard this yet, so we're going to hang out and hear all of this together. Uh, Tony Verusa has spoken with reporters and has an update on where Adam Engel and Brian Goodwin are at. Both of them yesterday. Adam had some leg tightness, some soreness. I think when he made that one turn on the base hit that he had, and then had a quick stop, and Goodwin's back was uh, was tight, kind of locked up on them. They were being treated this afternoon. I don't know if they're available tonight, which means we have a three-man bench, not a five-man bench. The thing I was talking about, you know, when you're looking at playing time, double hair yesterday, today, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 
you know, you start planning you know, where you can give them a break. You know, the more guys that you have, like five guys, it's not that tough to mix and match and still have a very good competitive team. But a couple of guys are, are not unavailable. That, that creates some issues. It's White Sox manager Tony Larusa, Obviously a short bench for the White Sox tonight, if that's the case. Uh, before we hit the break here, uh, the latest from Tony on Carlos Rodon. Yeah, we're waiting to see tomorrow. I think he throws his bullpen, so that's probably the, you know, he's been playing catch. I think tomorrow is, uh, is an important day to, to get him. I think we, we're, we have a slater for Wednesday, so I hope it goes well. We'll see. That's White Sox manager Tony La Russa. Sounds like Wednesday against the Reds for Carlos Rodon's next start. That's the 29th. It is the second game of the final homestand of the season. We'll get you up to date on the latest news for the White Sox when we come back. Get you the lineup for the game against Cleveland tonight. We also want to hear from you. I want to know how you celebrated, White Sox fans. How did you celebrate 2021 division title? That's all coming up after a quick break. You've got White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Runner at third. Here's a 1-2. Swing and a miss. Sox win the division. They are the American League Central champions. A few hugs, but it's pretty low-key right now on the field, and a lot of handshakes and hugs in the dugout. That was the final call as the White Sox beat Cleveland 7-2 Thursday afternoon. They won the first of a doubleheader to clinch the American League Central for the first time since 2008. For the first time in franchise history, the team is headed to the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. White Sox play Cleveland again tonight. It's a 6-15 first pitch. Len Casper and Darren Jackson have the call right then at 6-15, right here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. This is White Sox Weekly, by the way. Get you the White Sox lineup in just a second, but you can join us Saturday, October 2nd. The White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers at 6-10 p.m. The first 15,000 fans receive a White Sox hoodie. It's presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com. Only five home games left in the 2021 regular season. And I guess you know it kind of feels like, oh, it's a little bit sad. But it's really not. It's really not because there's more home games for the White Sox. And there'll be playoff games. And there'll be blackout playoff games, which is going to be awesome. Looking forward to that quite a bit. Here's your lineup for the White Sox against Cleveland tonight. And then I'll kind of recap some of the news from Tony LaRusse's pregame press conference just a few minutes ago. Tim Anderson is going to lead off. He's at short. Luis Robert is in center field. Jose Abreu is at first. Yasmani Grandal will catch and bat four. Aloy Jimenez is in left. Yoan Mancata is at third. Leori Garcia gets right field. Andrew Vaughn will DH and bat eight. Cesar Hernandez will bat nine and play second base. And if you don't mind me saying so, that looks an awful lot like a potential playoff lineup for the White Sox against, I don't know, either the Astros or the Tampa Bay Rays, and that looks like who it's going to be. One of those two teams, probably the Astros. Talking a lot about the playoff matchup, about what was earlier this week, the White Sox clinching their first division title since 2008. I want to play for you, and, and this is, I, I think, a lot of fun. I think Lennon DJ had a lot of fun with this. I think Liam did as well, or at least Liam had a heck of a lot of fun after this interview. But live, right there after the win... Liam Hendricks threw the headset on in the visitors' dugout at Progressive Field. Hopped on, did an interview with Len Casper and Darren Jackson moments after he had thrown the final out 
of the game and, and clinched the division for the team, or at least helped do it. At least that's what he'd want me to say. He helped do it. He was out there. So here he is, Liam Hendricks with Rick, with uh, Len Casper and with Darren Jackson after the White Sox clincher Thursday afternoon. Connor, thank you. We are with Liam Hendricks, the closer. Congratulations. How does it feel? Uh, it feels pretty cool. Obviously, um, it's been on the, uh, the forefront of the mind the last little bit, but now it's been confirmed. Now we can actually uh, prep and, and make sure we get ready for the, the playoffs. And uh, I was happy that I was, I was on the mound to make sure it was done. Yeah, it seemed that uh, Tony wanted to make sure that he got all of the guys that he felt were the uh, big moment present guys throughout the season, let alone uh, going into the posting and on the field to finish things. So you've got to appreciate that at this point, Tony La Russa is cognizant of the fact that it's you guys that have gotten him there. And it's you guys that he wants to make sure they carry him to the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, uh, we threw out some guys today, but let's be honest. We, we can trust every single person in that bullpen to get any out no matter what. Uh, and the fact that these guys are the ones that did it today, including myself, it's just uh, it's a little sweeter. But, um, no, this is something that's really cool. I think it's, the, uh, the, it's, it's, it's almost as cool as, uh, as last year winning that first series. Now we've got to go and figure out who we're playing and what our rotation lines up as. But... As far as the bullpen goes, we'll be ready for no matter what to uh, finish off the season strong. And then starting October, what, 7th, I think it is? Yeah. We'll be ready to go. Now, Liam, when the strikeout occurred, it was a fairly subdued reaction right after the final pitch. Was that something the group had talked about beforehand? Oh, they didn't talk to me about any of that stuff. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've been sitting in a bullpen for the last two hours. So uh, all I know is that as soon as the last out was had, I was going to make sure I was screaming. And that's what I did. And uh, luckily, we were able to finish on a strikeout because it's always sweeter when you finish with blowing someone's doors off. Yeah. So does that speak to the idea, though, that you guys have a bigger fish to fry, as we say here in the States? Well, this is just an opportunity now where you get a chance to uh, plug in the rotation the way it's sets out we've also got a chance to make sure that uh, we get our relievers enough innings or we may need to go back to back or an inning plus or whatever we need to do but this doesn't by any means say we say we take our foot off the pedal and, and let anything kind of slip by we still got to make sure we win as many games as possible just in case we can get up to a home field advantage but uh, this is something that we need to make sure we go into uh, the playoffs heading with a full head of steam and making sure we, we've got that momentum and uh, nothing can get some momentum started like a double head of sweep for the first time since 1980. That's right. Hey, congratulations and more to come. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. Connor, that's Liam Hendricks. Back to you. Thank you, Len. That was uh, live on Thursday after the game. It's not live now. They're not actually talking to Liam Hendricks right after the game, of course. That's the magic of radio. We can move things around like that. It was a lot of fun to hear from Liam after the game. And actually... Sean, would you do me a favor? Can you cue up the highlight one more time? He's going to have to do some stuff over there. But well, I, I want to point something out here in this highlight, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll, I'll say it right after you hear it, but I think you're going to hear it first. Uh, here's the final out, as called by Len, uh, of, the Cleveland, of the win over Cleveland that clinched the division for the White Sox. Here it is. Runner at third. Here's the one-two. Swing and a miss. Sox win the right division. There. They are the American. Okay, right there. We'll cue it up again one more time. Ready? Here it is. Runner at third. Here's the one-two. Swing and a miss. Socks win right the there. You hear the thing that sounds like a pterodactyl that's just been shot from the sky? Something like a, a very large, thunderous lizard screaming in the back. That's Liam. That's Liam Hendricks after getting the final out. I, I love that you can hear that from the field, Mike. I love that that scream from Liam Hendricks. I think he's saying come on, but he might be saying something else. I don't know. We probably can't say it here on the show. He's screaming almost as loud as Len Casper is on his headset mic. That's awesome. 
I just it's been a lot of fun to watch Liam work. It's been a lot of fun to watch, you know, really most of the White Sox bullpen, especially the last couple of nights. One of the things, and we'll talk about this with Rick Hahn coming up at 5 o'clock, uh, but one of the things the White Sox wanted to hang their hat on when the season started was a lockdown bullpen. It hasn't been that way all season. It's been a lot better than it feels at times. But there have been moments where it's gotten away from the bullpen a little bit. Over the last couple of weeks, go check it. Bummer's pitched well. Hendricks has pitched well. Tapera, before getting hurt, has pitched very well. Kopech has rounded back into shape and in a very big way. And Craig Kimbrell just pitched some of the best baseball he's pitched for the White Sox. He struck out all three against Cleveland last night, went one, two, three inning for the first time as a member of the White Sox. He got Oscar Mercado, Bradley Zimmer, and Ahmed Rosario all swinging strikeouts. He got them all on curveballs. He started Mercado, the first guy of the inning off, with two fastballs. They had a lot of arm side run, came right back in over the outside corner to the righty Mercado. Just nasty, filthy stuff at 96, and then put him away with a curveball. What struck me most is that then he threw two strikes, two grab strikes on the curveball to Bradley Zimmer right afterward. That's really good pitching. That's command and shape of stuff that I haven't seen Kimbrell have regularly he's still been dominant and still been very tough to hit for the most part unless he's been pitching against the cubs weirdly enough but it's that kind of stuff from craig where you go yeah that's that's hall of fame worthy perhaps that's gonna get him that's gonna keep him on the ballot for five six years that's for darn sure he's the active leader in saves the white Sox have him working i I think out of the eighth inning though they seem comfortable enough to let him save games if they need to I think right now, and what makes the White Sox a very interesting and dangerous playoff team is, yeah, what Carlos Rodon is able to give the White Sox is probably still up in the air at this point. And we'll ask Rick Hahn about that coming up in about 15 minutes, see if we can get the latest from Rick about where Carlos is at. Sounds like he'll have Wednesday start against the Reds, but as for what happens afterward, I, I think it's that'll be up to Carlos and how he bounces back. The fact that you can roll, the fact that the White Sox can roll out there with Hopefully Tapera, Bummer, Kopech, Kimbrell, Hendricks, and almost all of those guys, Crochet, and almost all of those guys, maybe with the exception of Bummer and Kimbrell, can get four to five outs, not, you know, night after night or anything like that, but on a fairly regular basis, makes them dangerous. That's part of the reason the Astros were able to win a World Series. There were other reasons. But part of the reason the Astros were able to win a World Series a couple of years back. It's part of the reason the Rays went as deep as they did. It's part of the reason the Dodgers, part of the reason the Dodgers were able to do it too. Remember this. You know, the Dodgers won last year and were an absolutely fantastic club. But Julio Urias got the final outs of that game. Game six against the Rays, I want to say. He was, you know... He wasn't a starter. He was, he was relied on to pitch in different situations. Came in clean sometimes, came in in dirty innings sometimes. That's what's, ne- I, I think anymore, what we've seen from baseball teams is they hit the playoffs and they really understand what these matchups need to be and how to take advantage of opposing lineups is you need to be able to look at your pitching staff. And I mean that from just almost a, a top-to-bottom perspective with the exception of you know those ace-type guys, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito 
and, and probably a third starter, which will likely be Carlos Rodon, but could also be Dylan Cease. you got to be able to look at everybody else. Either that's been in the rotation all year long or out of the bullpen and say, I need these outs from you. Not this inning. Not this situation. I need these outs from you. Go get them. And I think the White Sox have a bullpen that's capable of doing that. That makes them dangerous. So does a guy like Luis Robert. Eloy Jimenez when he gets his stuff together. And Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu and Yasmani Grandal. The White Sox could be as dangerous as anybody coming up on the AL side of the bracket. We'll talk about that playoff matchup when we come back. 312-332-3776. Question is still out there for you. Two of them. Len asked you this. Which team would you rather have the White Sox face in the first round, the Rays or the Astros? So that question's there for you to answer if you like. I also want to know how you celebrated the White Sox clinching the AL Central back on Thursday afternoon. We've heard some stories already. Would love to hear some more. The White Sox pregame show is coming up at 5.30. Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, is our guest at 5 o'clock. We've got more White Sox weekly to come here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, lock in your seats for the 2022 season with a ticket package and get postseason access for this year, 2021. The time is now. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. Getting closer to the pregame show starting at 5.30. Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, is going to be our guest here in just a couple of minutes. He'll start the 5 o'clock hour. Got a little bit left here for you on the show this afternoon. Uh, just wanted to get you reposted with a couple of uh, late-breaking news items for the White Sox. It's Lance Lynn and Eli Morgan, the starters for the Sox in Cleveland today. Uh, I'll, I'll look through some of the probables or the listed probables for the White Sox, too. But it does sound um, like the Sox are dealing with a couple of somewhat nagging injuries to guys that probably would have gotten playing time either today or tomorrow or, or, or maybe even both. Adam Engel is out of the lineup. He's got a little tweak in the leg. Uh, and Brian Goodwin's got a sore back. So it sounds like the Sox, according to Tony LaRusse's pregame press conference, Sounds like the Sox are a little short-handed on the bench tonight against Cleveland. And remember, with the schedule changing around a little bit, yeah, the White Sox had the off day, um, what was that, just the other day, with a rainout in Detroit. That was the 22nd. That game's going to get made up on Monday. So the Sox are going to go doubleheader Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all with games until their final off day of the regular season on the 30th. Now, what matters here, I think maybe more than anything else, is the fact that Carlos Rodon right now is scheduled to throw a bullpen tomorrow and then likely work Wednesday's game, start Wednesday's game against the Reds. That's the second game of the doubleheader, um, second game of the the two-game series against the Cincinnati Reds. Pardon, there's the 28th Tuesday and then the 29th Wednesday. Right now, Lucas Giolito and Tristan McKenzie are the scheduled starters for Sunday's game. That's a 12-10 start, so early baseball here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network tomorrow afternoon. You've also got Dallas Keuchel and Matt Manning 
as the scheduled starters for that makeup game in Detroit on Monday afternoon. That's another 12-10 start, 11-30 pregame show. Right now, the White Sox do not have starters named for either series against, for either game rather, against the Reds. Tuesday's game is technically TBA, and so is Wednesday's. But we heard from Tony La Russa that the idea would be to throw Carlos Rodon on that Wednesday night game at home against the Cincinnati Reds. If that's the case, it would be Carlos Rodon and Sonny Gray. Luis Castillo is going to throw that first game for the Reds against the White Sox on Tuesday night. So two tough pitching matchups for the Sox as they face the Reds coming back home. You just kind of taking a look at things, you know, the, the Reds just looking at that wild card picture, you know, we took a look at the AL a little while ago and the, the National League matters a lot less, I get it, but just in terms of sizing up what kind of competition you may face and how long those starters are going to be in there uh that the White Sox will face on the, themselves. The Reds right now are six and a half games behind St. Louis for the second wild card spot. St. Louis beat the Cubs today eight to five. They have won fifteen straight games and launched themselves into the second wild card spot. In, in case you're not familiar with the National League landscape, the Giants and Dodgers are going to either win a wild card or the NL West. No one's sure which. The Giants have a hundred wins. The Dodgers have ninety nine. One of those two teams, both of those teams are going to make the playoffs. The other one gets the wild card spot. And with Philly five and a half back and six and a half back for Cincinnati, I, I think St. Louis will probably have wrapped this thing up, if not, you know, all for the shouting, wrap this thing up by the time the Reds come to guaranteed rate field for the two game series against the White Sox. Why does that matter for the White Sox? Well, I, I'm stretching it a little bit. But you heard Liam Hendricks after the White Sox clinched on Thursday afternoon. Every game matters. And to him, and I think to the rest of the team, there is still a chance to grab home field advantage. Yeah, the Rays are 95 and 59, and the Astros are 91 and 63. But those two teams play each other starting next week. There's a three-game series between the two of them. Then the Rays go play the Yankees. You know, so there's... There's still a lot of jockeying left to do for other teams that the White Sox really have to play or, you know, play in the first round or play here late in the season. I, I think it's interesting to kind of watch just how much, I don't know, for lack of a better term, want to the White Sox opponents are going to have. On the other side of things, it'll be pretty interesting to watch the lineups that Tony LaRusa is able to run out for the White Sox in the last couple of days. Remember, Two things at once are kind of the goals of the White Sox right now. One, be as healthy as possible. Because, you know, let's just say we've been talking about this for weeks now, but I think it still matters. If the White Sox were to get home field advantage, and it's not as simple as this, but by pressing as hard as you can and playing Tim Anderson every night, and you get home field advantage, but by doing so... Tim is less than 100% or or any, you know, Luis is less than 100%. Jose Abreu is less than 100% or whatever. Then at what cost did you take home field advantage? You know what I mean? If TA's not there at the top of his game and you sacrifice that also that you get a home game at guaranteed rate field, a blackout game at guaranteed rate field, but Tim can't hit homers or can't run the bat, whatever. What is that worth to you? So I think, you know, there's there's still, you know, with eight games to play, and the White Sox still capable of winning 95 games on the season, there's still a little bit of stuff to figure out here. There's still a couple of questions 
for the White Sox roster to go ahead and answer for themselves. Now, most of the big questions, how's Tim Anderson playing? How's Luis Robert playing? How's Jose Abreu playing? How's Yasmani Grandal playing? All these things, they're coming up real positive. Big thumbs up for a lot of those. Lance Lynn will pitch today, Lucas Giolito tomorrow, and I, I think both of those guys are, are posed, poised rather to have pretty good starts against this Cleveland lineup, um, one that, you know, if nothing else, can, can hopefully make Lucas and Lynn today feel a lot like Dylan Cease did yesterday, you know, without the bruised triceps, that whole thing. We'll talk to White Sox manager, general manager Rick Hahn when we come back, get his thoughts on a division clinch and where things are at heading into the playoffs. Don't go anywhere. White Sox GM Rick Hahn is our guest next on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Our guest is White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. Rick, congratulations on the division title. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you feeling these days? Uh, you know what? A little better rested. Uh, slept in my own bed last night and uh, made it through the night uh, with some unfitful sleep for the first time in a little bit. But I'm going to enjoy it over the course of these next few days before we uh, get to the, the, the real tournament season coming up. Yeah, so uh, I think the question that's been on my mind most, Rick, which of the AL Central champion swag gear is the most comfortable? The hat, the hoodie, <laughs> the T-shirt? I think I saw a pair of socks that say 2021 AL Central Champs. They're the big woolly ones. Are those nice? Uh, you know, uh, my kids were upset because uh, some of the players had just put the T-shirt over ne- over their hoodies, yeah. their black hoodies yeah. in the clubhouse. So it looked like there were hoodies. And when I came home with just a hat and a T-shirt for each of them, they wanted to know where their hoodies were. So, they, you know, the told them let's not get too greedy here let's not uh, take these things for granted just yet but hopefully there's uh, all sorts of more swag here over the next few weeks so now that you've had your time with the swag and the kids have had two and and you've gotten some sleep what stands out to you rick about the accomplishment and and the last few years is there anything that that comes to mind you know when you wake up in the morning and you make the coffee and you think hey this was you know this was kind of a cool little thing over the last little bit you know, obviously this team has faced a, a ton of adversity over the course of this year from losing Aloy at the end of spring and then Luis Roberts soon thereafter, not to mention the, the, the shorter-term injuries throughout, whether it was Yaz or T.A. a couple times. And the thing that has probably stood out most for me is not just the resiliency that that clubhouse has shown in order to battle through these this adversity, but also the strength of, of the organization right now. And, and by that, I mean how, how excellent of a job our player development group has done under Chris Getz, how well our amateur scouts under Mike Shirley and Nick Hostedler and, and Doug Lauman before him, and our pro scouts run by Dan Fabian. Uh, and I should even say internationally under Marco Patti. Just each, we wouldn't have been able to get through this year without the depth and contributions from homegrown players, uh, as well as some, you know, surprises perhaps over the course of the season. Uh, guys that we were able to bring in from the outside, guys that have, you know, plugged the dam so to speak and kept us not only afloat but managed to help us open up a, a comfortable lead fairly early in the season. So, again, you know, you draw these things up in the off season and you you pray for help or health, I should say. Uh, but from time to time, the baseball gods have different things in mind. And, and this year, we were tested as an organization, and our scouts and our player development people 
really did a tremendous job in, in helping us weather the storm. Now that you know October 7, that's your day, you've got the ALDS, it's booked, but you don't know your opponent, can you give White Sox fans just a little bit of a look behind the curtain as to what your job and the rest of those scouts and front office guys, what, what are you working on now as you get ready for your playoff matchup? Well, we've had a, a decent sense of who the likely opponents are going to be in the in at least the the first round, uh, potentially one of two teams, and then in the second round, uh, one of an additional probably four teams. So we've had scouts out on the road already, uh, going back to late August, early September, with the specific goal of of breaking down the likely opponents from a in-person standpoint. Our analytics group has been working on a similar such exercise uh, with more objective or broader data in terms of what they can gather uh, off of video and the computers, et cetera. So it's been a fairly long-going effort uh, over the course of the next 10 days or so as we uh, finish up the season and, and hope to get everyone healthy and in the best position to succeed come October. We'll start having meetings internally with the with the coaches and going through uh, what roster makes the most sense, what matchups make the most sense, as well as anything else that we've gleaned from either the in-person or the objective scouting. What is the uh, the plan for Carlos Rodon as it exists now, and and how might that affect you know your the matchups that you're going to try and take advantage of, regardless of or I guess depending on which opponent you guys get. Um, it sounds like if I've missed this, I've been on air while Tony's done his pregame press conference. So if I have the details wrong, I apologize. But it sounds like a bullpen for Carlos in the next 48 hours, and then maybe that start on Wednesday against the Reds. That's correct. Both those things are penciled in right now. Uh, we'll see how the sideline goes. Uh, tomorrow in Cleveland, and if all goes smoothly, then we'll start progressing towards an outing likely on Wednesday against Cincinnati. Now, with Carlos, obviously, he threw 11 innings last year, not a great number the year before, and the fact that I believe he's at about 120-plus, maybe 130 or so at this point over the course of the season, and has done such a fantastic job in those innings is, is really remarkable. Unfortunately, without that innings base underneath him from the last couple of years, it's not totally shocking, uh, despite uh, everyone's best efforts to give him extended rest and protect him when we could, that he's feeling a degree of fatigue right now and that it's been affecting him for the last few weeks. So all these plans are, are somewhat tentative. We do have to remain flexible with the with the idea being how do we best get him in the best position to have success come you know October 10th or whenever a potential start may be for Carlos. Uh, obviously, we've got some time between now and then, so even if something goes a little sideways in the next four days with that tentative plan, uh, we can adapt. But we certainly, at the same time, want to make sure we have you know Dylan Cease in the best position to succeed, obviously uh, Michael Kopech, Ronaldo Lopez, et cetera, guys who could potentially – uh, eat up some of the innings that you know we may not fully get out of Carlos come October. So we're, we're trying to prepare for contingencies, but at the same time, remain optimistic that given the time we have, we can get Carlos in a in a pretty good position to uh, feel a little more like himself come October. I want to take you back a little bit, Rick. We're talking White Sox general manager Rick Hahn here on White Sox Weekly, uh, December six of two thousand sixteen. You guys made the move to trade Chris Sale to Boston. Obviously, Michael Kopech, who you just mentioned, Yohan Moncada came back then. If I if I lied to you and told you I had a time machine that could mm-hmm. take you back to December 5th, 
Is there anything you would tell that Rick Hahn then that you know now? Uh, look, as an organization, we were uncertain about a couple of things, uh, how it would unfold. Obviously, there's no guarantee that this type of long-term project is going to bear fruit, but we were confident in our ability and our ability of our scouts and our front office to put us in a good position to have success. Uh, the thing we didn't know really that well is how it was going to be received by White Sox fans. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there were narratives out at the time that the White Sox would never rebuild, that Jerry didn't have the stomach for it and to, to do what was necessary, or that White Sox fans would just not support it and would, would tune us out and we'd you know, drift into oblivion. Of course, we weren't necessarily competitive in a given year. So I think what I probably would have, as nice as it would have been known to, to know, given your time machine at the time, that, hey, five years from now, you're going to be in a good position to win the division and do some damage for a few years. Uh, that would have been nice. But I think knowing that how well the fans actually reacted and embraced the rebuild and embraced what we were trying to do, I think in large part because we were clear and direct in what we wanted to accomplish and that our actions at least reinforced what we were trying to do and, and that I think earned some faith. But the fan reaction from the start and embracing the effort from the start was just outstanding, and, and that was really a bit of a leap of faith at the time. When play, we play a game every now and again on White Sox Weekly. It's uh, Name This White Sox Player, so it's a bit of a trivia question to you, Rick. Over his last 36 games, this White Sox player is hitting three seventy nine with a four fourteen on base and slugging six thirty four. If you need another hint, he's got nine home runs in that stretch. Name that White Sox player. It's either uh, Robert or Grandal. Yeah, that's Robert. That's yep. Luis Robert. I, I remember being in the conference room when you guys uh, announced him and kind of brought him in for the signing back in 2017 and, you know, the hype that was around him. I, I don't – how do you account for how good he's been coming off of the injury he had, Rick? It's It's been mind-boggling to watch. I mean, that that's really one of the more remarkable things is obviously he was uh, a very talented player. You know, Marco Patti talking about him for for years and certainly the, intensely for months leading up to our, our chance to sign him, uh, praised what this guy could become in terms of one of the true elite talents in the game. Obviously, there was a lot of publicity around him with, uh, I believe at the time uh, of his free agency, an anonymous scout saying he's the best player on the planet right now. So him displaying what he's displaying isn't in a, a, a total shock, but when you mix in that layer that you, that you just said about doing it coming off an injury, and you know he's still extremely young, has yet to obviously play a full 162 season at the big league level, and you see him not only come back from a, a very serious injury, due in large part to his work, work ethic and, and commitment to getting back, but he's also sort of refined his game. You've seen him his strikeout rate decrease. You've seen him uh, do much more damage in the zone and lay off pitches out of the zone. Stuff that shows maturity and advancement as a, uh, as a hitter, which is, is remarkable given that you just wanted this guy healthy and back, much less to show progress in his development so quickly. So that that's probably the most impressive part of, of this kid so far is that uh, he was able to make those adjustments while also healing and rehabbing. You know, part of the business, Rick, is is predicting future performance, right? It's it's impossible to do all that well. You can't be 100% accurate about it, but the good front offices can really kind of determine what it is they're going to get from their players. I wonder, you know, because at different times, you guys have had to sit down and say, okay, 
what can we expect from Aloy after he comes back from this injury? What can we expect from Luis? What can we expect from Yasmani? All of these guys you've had to project after these injuries. How do you go about doing that? And after you've done it, you know, put around a team that, that might be able to, to bulwark a little less production. You know, what if Robert didn't come back and play like Juan Soto or something like that? You know, I mean, if, if he were just playing great defense out there, there's arguments to be made that that could be enough given the injury. You're absolutely right. And then that, when you add the element of recovery and the, the length of time to full recovery, which is really just a projection, uh, on top of performance, you honestly are shooting, you know, may as well be throwing darts at that point. What we do in a situation like that is you try to understand from your doctors, from your trainers, from James Cruck and Brett Walker, who runs our rehabilitations, what is realistic to expect in terms of his availability and in terms of, you know, full recovery and getting back to the full level of whether it's strength or speed or agility that we had objectively measured when they were healthy. And they can give us a feel for what that's going to be in terms of likely play time and likely strength, flexibility, uh, speed, et cetera. And that sort of factors into thinking, okay, we're going to have this guy for, you know, three days a week for the first month, or, you know, we're going to have him every day that he's potentially available over the course of the month as if nothing had happened. That sort of gets layered into what are the alternatives and what even at that limited performance are we going to get out of him versus what's available in the open market or what we, what's available uh, via trade or in uh, our own system. So even if he's telling you, and, and I think you alluded to this earlier, even if we're getting a sense, okay, hypothetically, Luis Roberts only going to be 85% when he returns. All right, well, 85% of what we've seen from Luis Robert is pretty darn good. Uh, that's probably better than what we could go out and acquire via trade at the deadline, given the cost of certain things. So let's take our chances that that's going to be good enough. And if he exceeds it, as it's, you know, knock on wood, we've seen from Luis, that's gravy and puts us in even a stronger spot. Dylan, uh, there's been so many guys with breakout seasons, but Dylan Ceases has been pretty remarkable to me. It's one I've been taking a look at kind of all year long. 31 starts, 161 and two-thirds innings, and really his first full major league season last year, you know, obviously being what it was, uh, a 12.3 strikeout per nine rate. I know strikeout per nine is gauche. We don't do that anymore. But it's a 32% strikeout rate as well. He's cut the walks to how has Dylan done it? Who's been important to his development in this manner? Well, first, I think uh, the lion's share of credit should go to the kid. I mean, he has done a remarkable job in sort of channeling out the noise and remaining focused on, on the job at hand. He's obviously, we, all of us could see, even you know, when he was in the minors, how, how special the stuff was. And it was just a matter of harnessing command, particularly on his fastball, uh, to be able to, to exploit the benefit of, of his secondary pitches as well. And early in the process of Ethan Katz, our, our pitching coach joining the organization, he and Dylan connected. Uh, I think the first few times was actually just via Zoom, uh, given where we were in the pandemic. Uh, but over time, they were able to come up with a specific program and specific drills to address some of what Ethan saw uh, as potentially hindering uh, or making Dylan's command you know, a little more difficult to harness. And he just, the kid, and, and Dylan, 
really took to it. So Ethan, uh, one of the things that you know excited you know Tony and Kenny and Jeremy Haber and myself when we went through this process, and, and Chris Getz too when we went through this process, was Ethan's ability to take a pitcher specific and, and, and tailor a program specific to what that guy needed. Mm-hmm. He has many tools in his arsenal, and he, for a certain guy, it may be completely different. You know, he obviously didn't shorten Dylan Cease's arm swing, which was what was the big key for Lucas, his, his prize uh, original project. But he has the ability to see what an individual needs and create a program that helps, you know, unlock some of that talent. He, he did a great job with, with Cease. You know, Lopi's made a lot of progress this year, and, and obviously Rodon as well. So uh, each of those individual players I, I would cite first for why they've unlocked what they've unlocked, but Ethan Katz has played an important role in all of it as well. Sounds like Cease is the kind of guy you wouldn't mind starting in a playoff game. No, I think that's very fair. I mean, I know you alluded to we don't look at strikeouts per nine anymore, but I think he actually has currently the highest single-season strikeout per nine uh, by a righty in White Sox history. So that's right. Can't completely ignore it. No, no, not all. It's black ink on the baseball reference page. Exactly. You can never ignore that. Maybe the toughest question for last year, Rick, what has Tony La Russa meant to the 2021 White Sox? You know, it, it, it's funny because the perception from the outside, I think, and, and we all get it, uh, was that, you know, here's a guy who's extremely established and set in his ways, and he's going to come in after an extended absence and, you know, try to sort of force his way on people, and how is that going to be received by this, this generational player? And it really was quite the opposite. And, and you've heard Tony mention this as early, early on, at least, in his interviews, that he starts from zero, and he needs to earn that respect from the players. And sure, you know, he doesn't make reference to what he's accomplished, but everyone knows what he's accomplished. But that doesn't entitle him to just force his way. He wants to show, he'll share why he wants to do something, but he'll also try to prove why it's the right way of doing it and win the trust of the players. Um, he obviously, you know, we feel we've surrounded him, and, and Tony has uh, selected a, a fantastic coaching staff, and he's, you know, he, given them the latitude to help make those improvements that were necessary on with the individual guys along the way. And there's really been no, uh, how should I put it, he, he really is just looking to put everybody in the best position. That doesn't just mean the pitcher, the, the, the players, it also means the coaches, and really is uh, open to letting those guys be who they are. Rick, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for hopping on. Enjoy the next couple of days if it's at all possible. And I guess I... I lied about that being the last question. There will be a hoodie, though, right? We are going to have hoodies for everybody. Uh, look, the there, there better thing? be a hoodie because okay. I promised that to my kids. Oh, so yeah. at the very See? least, I might be somewhere uh, silk screening some myself uh, down the road. So I, there'll be at least two, if not more. There's a guy off the street. We can go find a guy. I got a guy. He does hoodies. He's great. You got a hoodie guy? Yeah, I got Perfect. a hoodie guy. We're going to be fine. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. You bet, Connor. Thanks for having me. Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager and uh, the man who has helped alongside others, I think you would probably say, steer the White Sox to a 2021 AL Central Division Championship. Sox fans, you can lock in your seats for 2022 with the ticket package and get postseason access for 2021. The time is now. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. Got another one for you as well because Rick called right at 5. So, Sox fans, join us on Sunday, October 3rd. 
2.10 p.m., your White Sox take on the Tigers. The first 10,000 fans, ages 21 and over, get a White Sox 312 hat presented by Goose Island Beer Company, Goose Island, Chicago's Beer. Purchase tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. More to come here on White Sox Weekly. We'll wrap things up. The pregame show for the White Sox and Cleveland is coming up at 5.30. I'm Connor McKnight. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. We are closing things up on this afternoon's show into the evening, actually. 5.30 pregame show. White Sox and Cleveland coming up here in just a little bit. It's a 6.15 first pitch. Len Casper and Darren Jackson have the call on uh, the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I know a lot of people like to watch baseball on television as well. You know, I, I guess it's a thing. Me, I'm a radio guy, but... I know a lot of folks like to watch it on television. Wayne Randazzo has the call on Fox. I believe he's with A.J. Pierzynski. And this is really cool, too. I know Wayne a little bit. We used to work together at a different shop. He calls Mets games on the radio. He is, you are in for a treat today. I, I, I don't know if you caught, Wayne had a national game, uh, the Cubs and somebody a little while ago. Uh, did a great, great job. Cubs and Brewers, I think. Wayne is a fantastic broadcaster. So if you're flipping back and forth and you're like, oh, I love Len and DJ, and you should, and you should listen. You've also got Wayne today on the television side of things, and that is super, super cool. Hey, you can close out the regular season with two lower-level tickets for 30 bucks. There's still plenty of exciting White Sox baseball to come this season. Be here for it all. For tickets and more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash closer. C-L-O-S-E-R. So I guess it'd be closer or closer, depending on how you wanted to do it. I guess if you were Liam Hendricks, you wanted to be closer. 312-332-3776. There is still time. I want to know how you celebrated the 2021 AL Central clinch on Thursday afternoon. We just talked with White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. We appreciate him uh, giving a little bit of time for us here on the show and on the network. I know White Sox fans, this was one of the questions I asked him. If you missed the interview, by the way, or you only caught part of it, Go download the ESPN Chicago app. All of our White Sox weekly shows are there in the app. You can download them all and listen to the interviews that we've done. Um, it's a really cool way to kind of chronicle the, the season a little bit. I think we do a pretty good job as a show, but we also try and bring you the voices and the players and the coaches and the, and the front office members that really matter throughout the season. So you can go listen to those guys talk about your White Sox. That's maybe most important. But I asked Rick if he could go back to December 5th, 2016, the day before the White Sox traded Chris Sale to the Boston Red Sox, what he would tell himself if he could go back from here to then and tell himself something that he maybe wanted to know. And the thing he brought up was that there was some apprehension from other places about how White Sox fans would handle, in his words, a rebuild. And I found that really interesting. Because we, we've seen the fruits of the labor, right? We have now an AL Central title for the White Sox. There are players on the field that will be meaningful for years to come. And I think part of what has made this so special, part of what has made this last five years so worthwhile, and what will hopefully make the part of the next five years so worthwhile, is the fact that White Sox fans have bought in that they have understood this process, that they have realized alongside the front office, ownership, players, coaches, all that kind of stuff, 
they have seen it happen along with them. And that's really awesome. It's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Pre-game show starts in just a few. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.